You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Straight. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Working at Liberty the last four years uh, for Ian McCaw uh, was one of the greatest joys of our of our college career. Um, it came at the right time for our family. Um, it was just a, a beautiful um, experience. I didn't know if we could win when we went there. Obviously, they were transitioning from FCS, but with all of the support there and the culture we set, we were able to win a lot of big games and go to four straight bowl games. And to the Liberty, to uh, Jonathan Falwell, Pastor Jonathan, and President Prevo, and the Board of Trustees, and to Ian, and to our team and staff there, just uh, I owe a great debt of gratitude. To the Board of Trustees here and President Roberts, and Athletic Director, Mr. Cohen, Rich McGlynn, Lee Van Horn, all of you guys getting to know you through this process. Um, I'll say this about our new AD and my, my boss. This guy will measure it a hundred times before he cuts it once now. <laughs> He's, he, is, he is as thorough as anyone I have ever met. And I think... He measured 58 times, according to the list he was carrying around. Hey, welcome in to Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, along with Lars and Christian. You may have listened to it earlier. You certainly heard some of the excerpts and probably read about it online. I hope you're reading about it online because you get to the social media part, and again, it just turns. I hate this term, but I'll use it. It turns south, uh, a lot further south than we are. Anyway, welcome into the program. That's Hugh Freeze. He is the 31st. Head football coach at Auburn University. We'll, we'll, Auburn University. We'll go around the table just to set up the show. Jeff Spiegel was there. I know he was with us yesterday, but he's our man on the scene. He was uh, down there. He's on his way back. He'll join us in just a few minutes to talk about some of the Q&A and then all, obviously the rea- reaction there on campus. Then we'll, we'll go national with Tim Brando at the bottom of the hour. And then second hour, around 1.30, we'll talk some Alabama basketball with color analysts. Brian Passink. Uh, going to Tuscaloosa, Lars, how are you? And uh, your thoughts on the hire? I'm doing good. Uh, good to be in Tuscaloosa. It's the uh, last day of classes already. Uh, this semester has flown by. But um, I was able to listen to the entire press conference on my way down from Birmingham. And um, a couple things. One, I've gotten to know Hugh pretty well over the years. I did sort of a a long-form story on him for Bleacher Report, and um, and he's he's a charming guy. He is articulate. Uh, He makes you feel very important. Um, And and he has all the qualities you're looking for in a great recruiter. And that was on full display uh, today in, at, at Auburn. And he was speaking without notes 
And man, he just hit all of the notes, so to speak, that he needed to. Um, but, you know, when you go back and you kind of analyze what has happened to the Hugh Freeze in his career, is it possible that him getting caught with phone numbers of escort services on his University of, of, uh, of his Ole Miss issued cell phone might have been the best thing that ever happened to his coaching career? I mean, uh, would he be at Auburn if that hadn't happened? Um, Because, you know, he ends up getting fired and uh, goes to Liberty. um, And uh, he was able to patch things up with his family, which is great. And I I believe in second chances. I'm a huge believer in second chances. Big believer in third chances. I don't know about four chances, but um, got hired by Liberty and goes 34 and 15 and now Auburn hires him. Um and like I said, he he was uh magnetic in the press conference and um you know, he he, he again, he 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 said all the right things. Um but you know, there <laughs> he didn't really acknowledge the, the the backlash of the hire, the, the the that there are a lot of Auburn fans that are upset about this because of his past indiscretions. But um, Christian, I don't know if you had a chance to uh, hear some of the press conference or just if you've had any interaction with uh, Hugh over the years. But just your impressions. Yeah, you know, I thought you know, like you said it best. Everybody deserves second chances, and he obviously doesn't have the cleanest past, but. Um, I'm sure he's learned some lessons and, uh, you know, looking at it from a football perspective, I mean, he's won in the SEC. He's had success in the SEC. I hate to say it, but he's beaten Alabama and Nick Saban in back-to-back years. Um, you know, he's known to be a good recruiter and, and a really good offensive mind. Um, so I think he fits in well, um, X's and O's wise with Auburn very well. I think he's a great, very, a great fit um, in terms of, of a football. Um, just off the field, you know, again, I think people deserve second chances. I understand the backlash, especially in today's society. Um, but it's just one of those things that, you know, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see, you know, has, has he really matured and learned his lesson, which I, I feel like he has. I think he has. Yeah. And, and, and if he has, and I, th- I think great, then, you know, he deserves this opportunity, but um, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Obviously, you know, going for Alabama, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to have too much success, but I would like to have a, a good coach in that position. That way, you know, the iron bull is competitive. You know, it's always fun when both teams are, are good. You know, every year that way you look forward to it. You don't want a lopsided iron bull. At he least did, I don't. He did say that, um, that, that, that Nick Saban and Miss Terry have been good friends over the years. And then he did just get a little poke in at Nick Saban, Matt. He said, I hope there, I hope he's a little bit nervous today or right now. So, uh, so that. That, that was kind of the uh, the money quote if you're a Alabama fan. But uh, Matt, what was your uh, your your sort of take on the events of this morning down on the plains? First of all, just a couple of details. It's a six year, six and a half million dollar a year contract. So the money's good. I honestly thought it would be higher than that. Uh, but it isn't, and it's not like Auburn can throw money around. Well, it appears that they can in certain payouts, but um, they can't throw their nickels and dimes around like manhole covers because, man, they're paying $36 million in coaches that are no longer there. But uh, what do you want? What does Auburn want? I mean, uh, to some of these fans that are being very critical, you're hiring a football coach, okay, not the pastor. And, um, (laughs) you know, second chances here, people. 
Um, all these people that are throwing stones at him, read that, read that out of the Bible. Start casting stones when you're able. Okay? There's my little deal. You're back to football. He's a football coach. He's a darn good football coach. By the way, Liberty hired him. Isn't that a Christian-based church school? Okay. Yes. Uh, maybe I'm not going to get off that soapbox. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, he's a heck of a football coach. He knows how to use the portal. He knows how to recruit. He knows how to play in the SEC. I think it's a slam dunk hire for them. By the way, all those that are being critical, who else are you going to get of with this value? So um, I will say this, Lars. We talked about this the minute they let Harson go. That's the hire. That's who they should go for. I think they knocked it out of the park. He knocked the news conference out of the park. And bringing Cadillac in and talking about the players and what has happened over the last month was just super. The only thing I didn't understand, and we'll get to Jeff Spiegel on that, is why the athletic director wouldn't take calls. Yeah, he wouldn't take any questions. Excuse me, take questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he wouldn't take any questions, and that was uh, a little surprising. And it was uh, Jeff Spiegel who really uh, – who who put the feet to the fire there and and asked about that but you're, but you're right you make a really good point they're getting freeze at sort of a bargain basement price and this is going to allow then the salary pool for the assistants to be a lot larger and Hugh said uh during the press conference that he's called plays his entire life he's basically you know just been the offensive coordinator and the head coach but now he's considering stepping back from that because of the responsibilities of managing the portal nil you know it's it's, it has suddenly become much more complex christian to be a head coach and um, I, I think that's probably a good thing. But he also mentioned that his his cell phone has just been blown up with coaches across the country wanting to come to Auburn with him. Yeah, you know, and it's a great opportunity, a big, a big SEC school, and uh, they just got a, a new head coach who's who's everybody, you know, a lot of people for the most part are excited about and and what he has to offer. So I think it's a, a great spot for coaches to want to come and coach at and and see what they can build there. You know, it's so weird for me to just be supporting and talking about Auburn right now, but <laughs> <laughs> it's part of it. But, <laughs> but no, I, I uh, think, welcome to talk radio, there, Christian. <laughs> I know, I know. Hey, again, I got to be impartial, but you know, it's one of those things where I think it's a great opportunity for coaches, and I really like that he. Uh, and, and we knew this would probably happen, but he retained uh, Cadillac Williams as uh, assistant yeah, head coach. You know, and, yes, yes, and the running backs coach, and uh, I thought that was a phenomenal job by him to do that. And uh, I thought, I mean, it would have been a bonehead move if he didn't do that. So I'm sure we knew that was going to happen, but um, kudos to him for doing that. And uh, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what they kind of put together over there. You, you know, I, I think they have a lot going for them right now. Yeah, I think they can. All turn, right, guys, we need to break so quickly. we can. Uh, yeah, we need to break so we can talk to Jeff Spiegel himself about that question about why it wasn't answered. I mean, I don't know. They will. Will he know that? Probably not. They just kind of dismissed it in a hurry. But um, in, in my eyes, it's uh, pretty much an inside the park home run, if not just one out of the park with a hiring of few freeze. We'll get back to that. Jeff Spiegel from 3340 will be joining us on the other side of this break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. 
It's the Tuscaloosa Community Calendar, powered by Pepsi. The Wise Men Club will continue its 60-plus year Christmas tree sale tradition, starting Wednesday. Tuscaloosa weather. Becoming mostly cloudy and breezy, the chance of a few showers this afternoon, the high today around 70. Windy tonight with thunderstorms moving in. The storms can be severe. Be sure you can hear warnings if they are needed tonight. The low right around 60 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 72 degrees in Tuscaloosa. He served us well, and I want to do the same at Auburn. I think uh, probably the number one thing that the last six years, the last four years, is this idea of when your commitment to something is greater than your feelings, uh, that's when you really get the results that you want. And there's a lot of times we operate out of our feelings as players or men or coaches or in general. And if we operated out of our true commitment for me, it's to faith, family, and friends, and family being my Auburn family now. Uh, when we operate out of our commitment to those, usually at the end of the day, we really like our decisions. Fourth row, Bill. There you have it. More Hugh Freeze and more Eagles, actually, and more 70s music for our next guest. Uh, as Jeff Spiegel, the sports director of 3340, joins us. He was in attendance at the news conference today. First of all, we are just going to select bumper music based on what you like from now on, Speaks. But uh, just give me some general comments on, on on what the atmosphere was like. Describe to us what we can't hear. Well, I mean, you've been to all of these coaches' introductory press conferences, Matt, and you you know what you know what the setup is. You know, there's media. And there's also a lot of fans and a lot of people who spend a yep. lot of money, you know, with, with a football program. So, uh, you know, it's a, uh, as a media person, it, it's a tad uncomfortable because, you know, especially in this situation, you know, you, you had to ask a few tough questions, you know, and, and you know that that probably doesn't sit well with everyone who's in attendance. So it had that kind of feel to it. Um, I would say 90% of the press conference was positive. There were a lot of positive questions. There were some tough questions. But to his credit, you know, he, he didn't dodge them. He took them head on. He, uh, he, he was a, he's a man who's, you know, remorseful for what he did. Uh, the line that I took away from it was, what I did is what I did. It's not who I am. I'm sure, I'm sure he's used that before. He's had to use it multiple times. But I think it's sincere. And so I think it came away, you know, very believable in the fact that you know he's he's a man who's been affected by his transgressions and he's uh try, wants to try to move in a positive direction and i took it as a man who's very very and i can't say very enough thankful to get an opportunity to coach in the sec again uh jeff you requested to have a question answered by the athletic director and you were turned down um I found that extremely odd, given the fact that uh, Auburn just spent a bunch of money hiring a PR firm, 
And the one thing you don't want to do when you have a mass of media driving down from Birmingham is to duck any questions. And uh, the fact that they didn't make the athletic director available for questions to me seems quite odd. Uh, what was your reaction, and what did you want to ask in that question? Yeah, really? Well, I totally agree. I totally agree. And uh, it wasn't anything that stunned me because John sat in the front row, and he didn't. Uh, he wasn't up at the podium during the Q and A. He wasn't sitting like on the stage. So I kind of anticipated that he wasn't going to answer any questions, but I wanted to try, and I wasn't going to explore the, the the DM path. I didn't want to go down that path today, um, you know, be it, be it right or wrong. I wanted to get his reaction to the backlash, whether he was surprised by it. He talked about it being a thoughtful process. And my question was going to be, how much thought did you give to the possibility that there would be some backlash? How much thought did you give to pursuing other candidates who – had less baggage than Hugh Freeze. Like, for example, the guy who was in the room, you know, the now associate head coach, Cadillac Williams. How much, you know, consideration was he given? And also, what's your plan moving forward to kind of get this fan base back together? And I don't know what percentage of the fan base is totally against this hire, but I do know this. In the 35 years that I've been doing this job, this is the most negative reaction I've seen to a hire at the most. And there was a lot of negative reaction when Gene Chizik got hired because he had a losing record, not because of any past transgressions. And I'm using John Cohen's words, you know, um, that, that Hugh Freeze committed. So yeah, it kind of, it kind of surprised me, but I did sense that when John was speaking before he had a paper in front of him and he looked extremely uncomfortable to me. I don't know if that's what you got. I got that this was not a a most comfortable environment for him to be in. And um, so when he sat down, he was relieved that his part of the deal was over. That's that's what that that's the impression I got. Well, hey, as a fellow reporter, I applaud you for trying to at least ask the question, Christian. Jeff, I was just curious. You, know, you mentioned you know how uncomfortable he was at the press conference. Do you think? You know, he made this hire only because that was what was left out there. You know, he freezes was the best option out there. Do you, do you feel like if there was other candidates um, who didn't have quite the scandalous background, do you think he would have rather have made that hire instead? Or uh, I don't know. Again, this is just personal opinion, but I think uh, I think this is this is partly booster driven. This is booster driven. I mean, they they want to win football games, you know, and 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 I ask you the question later you know about winning the fan base what how how difficult is the process going to be to to win over the fan base and and basically what he said is you know what the most important people to me are the people in this building and and you know and, and the Auburn family and these players and all that and his number one priority is to get this team together and if he gets the team together you know he hopes the fans will follow. And um, as far as, you know, the other candidates and everything, it was clear to me that Hugh Freeze was the first choice. They interviewed Cadillac Williams said he did an interview last week. Um, I think that was just basically a complimentary interview, you know, for, for what you've done. We owe this to you to at least talk to you about this job. 
But the number one guy on the list, you know, was Hugh Freeze. Now, where, you know, the fascination with Lane Kiffin, uh, you know, was there, but Hugh Freeze was the guy that John Cohen wanted. Hugh Freeze was the guy I think the boosters wanted as well. Our guest from 3340 is their outstanding sports director, Jeff Spiegel. Um, Jeff, he talked a lot about family, and in fact, his family's in Auburn. I think he just bought a house on, on Lake Martin. Uh, man, he wanted this job bad, didn't he? He really did. Uh, his Jordan lives in the community. Um, you know, there's pictures of him wearing the Auburn sweatshirt, you know, uh, in a picture with Jordan. Yeah, he really did. I mean, he really did want this job. And he got and, and he got emotional, you know, when he talked about his family. He also got emotional when he talked about his agent, you know, because he's he's getting he's getting six and a half million dollars a year. I'll be getting a little emotional too. But um, you know, he he, he he does he does he does want this job, but he wants to get back in the SEC. And another thing that really boy, that really jumped out to me was toward the end they asked him about you know, you're looking forward to competing against Nick Saban. And at the end, he said, I bet Nick Saban is a little nervous right now. And, you know, he does own two wins, you know, over Nick. So we'll see how all that plays out. Yeah, another interesting thing that, that, that came up was Hugh Freeze's assertion that SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey never blocked him from becoming a uh, coordinator or a head coach in the SEC again. However, you go back to, I think it was 2018. Uh, yes, it, it was, uh, yeah, in April of 2018, AL.com's Matt Zenitz, who I think is a terrific reporter, um, he, he reported that, in fact, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey blocked Alabama from hiring Hugh Freeze to become the Crimson Tide's co-offensive coordinator and position coach because he said, quote, it would look bad uh, for the SEC. Uh, did you do you think uh, I, I know for the fact that the guys and in, in the, that the reporters at ale.com are going to be digging deep into that uh, assertion by by uh, Freeze that Sankey never. Uh, actually put a sort of hiring freeze on freeze. Uh, what was your take on that? Yeah, Joseph Goodman asked that question, who also, who also thinks he's very good at what he does. And uh, I, I think that's a case of you misremembering. You know, we've, we've heard that phrase before. And, uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's there. It's there in black and white. I mean, a quote from Greg Sankey, you know, saying that it would be a bad look for him to take a job, you know, in the SEC when – the sanctions have not completely run their course at Ole Miss. And what you did say is that he had opportunities to take jobs, but instead he opted to be the head coach at Liberty, which um, I, you know, don't think is is very accurate on his part. But that's his story, and I think he's sticking to it. <laughs> hey, uh, great stuff! I'll be looking for your reports tonight on. 3340. Jeff Spiegel, uh, just a regular guest now on uh, Big Noon Sports. Thanks, man. Appreciate it a lot. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, y'all. Have a good day. I think we owe that guy a beverage or two. Thank you, Jeff. Coming up, the national picture from Tim Brando.
From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Ah, holiday season in Tuscaloosa. The cool nip in the air, spending Saturdays cheering on the tide, anticipation of Thanksgiving with the family, and Christmas shopping. Here's a brilliant idea. Tide 100.9 app. that I can put it in enough words of how gracious and good and faithful he has been to us. So I met with the team this morning. It was a, an incredible first meeting. I think that um, we're off to a good start. I look forward to getting with them individually, but I shared with them how we're going to turn this ship and get out of the wilderness here that uh, we might be in a little bit. Uh, every job I've ever taken over has had uh, some type of uh, struggles. Uh, prior to our arrival. Hugh Freeze, Auburn's 31st head football coach. Efforting to get in touch with Tim Brando, but we can certainly uh, serve and volley here between myself, Matt Coulter, you got Lars Anderson, and Christian Miller over at our studios in Tuscaloosa. I'm right here in Birmingham, Homewood, to be specific. Um, a lot of mention of the word family. Lars, I guess we all noticed that. Oh yeah, um, he's uh, he's all about family, and uh, that is why uh, this sort of uh, <laughs> there's almost there's two Hugh Freezes, right? Uh, the the one who sort of committed the I don't know the the indiscretions uh, at Ole Miss. And then uh, the the family man, and uh, and and you know when he was talking about his family, he 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 grew very emotional, especially when talking about his wife and uh, how she stuck with him, and and you know it was it, it was uh, uh, an, an act that certainly he regrets, uh, and um, and and. I, I don't know, Christian. Like, again, I, I feel like we've, we've sort of covered all of this ground. We know who Hugh Freeze is. The, I think the question going forward is, uh, did he learn his lesson? And, and I think by all accounts he did. Uh, and I would assume that, uh, you know, it should be clear sailing for him. But it's going to take a while for the Auburn fan base to get to know Hugh and to get to know his family. And like that's what he said. He said, hey, everybody just get to know me. Uh, give me a chance. And, you know, hopefully I'll win you over. Yeah. And I, I think uh, at least I'd hope that he, you know, learned his lesson. I mean, you think about it. You know, he had a, a really good job uh, being head coach at Ole Miss. And, um, you know, he pretty much lost it all because of some mistakes that he made. Um, he goes to Liberty, turns that program around, um, has, has success there. And uh, now he's finally getting another opportunity at coaching at, at, on the highest level in college football, which is the SEC. Um, it, it'd be hard to imagine him not learning a lesson and doing anything to risk losing that again. You know, I, I would, you know, compare it to if I'm a player and 
I make some bad decisions and I lose a roster spot in the NFL, then I have to go down and play in the CFL, then I finally get a crack at the NFL again. I, I think the last thing I'm going to do is go and make the same mistake twice and lose that opportunity again. So I think he's definitely probably learned a lesson. I think it is, you know, it's an opportunity opportunity for him to turn over a new stone and, and uh, show that, you know, he's learned and, and he's uh, ready to move on. Was it the uh, was Freeze in the was he coaching Ole Miss when you beat the heck out of him with five tackles for a loss and two and a half sacks? Oh, that's a great question. That was twenty eighteen. Um, was he there? No, nah, he was gone. I was about to say nah, I think he, he might have been gone, but uh, uh, he was there when he handed me those two back back to back losses in uh, twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen. Uh, so I, I I remember him then, and he had a great team. I mean, I remember he had you know Robert Kimdichie. Um, and his brother, the you know, big top recruit in the country, and uh, the, the Laramie Tunzel, the offensive tackle. I mean, they they had a solid team, and uh, they were a high power offense. They had Chad Kelly. Um, man, you know, they're they're a tough team to beat. Man, I thought Chad Kelly was going to be a good NFL player. You know, he actually just won the Great Cup, I think, in the CFL. Oh, he did. Believe yeah. it or not. So I, you know, I, he had so much talent. Lots of talent. A lot yeah. of talent. Yeah. yeah, lots of talent. He's tough. Okay, so this is my favorite Hugh Freeze story, and it's a positive story. Uh, it's um, and he he shared it with me when I uh, did this long piece on him, and it was uh, back in July of 1992, and he had just gotten married, and the the bride and the groom they they cruised away in in, in a car uh, from this Baptist church in Independence, Mississippi, where they uh, got married. And they were on their way to the Smoky Mountains, and they were going to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, <laughs> for their honeymoon. Um, classy. Uh, no, I love, I love, I love Gatlinburg. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Um, there goes our trade we had with that wonderful <laughs> yeah, condominium uh, report up there. <laughs> but um, so, so he's on I forty. And then they're getting close to Knoxville, and he turns off at Knoxville, and he drives onto the University of Tennessee campus, and he goes to Neyland Stadium, and his wife is like, what's what's going on? What's going on? Uh, they get out of the car. Uh, the gates were shackled, but, uh, but then Hugh and his wife slip through a, a small opening, and then they walk into the empty stadium. Uh, they're looking at the grandstands that stretch up, up, and up. Uh, and then he grabbed Jill's hand. They're right at midfield, and Hugh said, uh, it, like with the, the most seriousness that he could muster, "quote I will be a head coach in the SEC one day. I will." And Jill replied, "I know, I know." And uh, that just shows you the confidence that he had, because at the time he was a first-year assistant coach at Briarcrest Christian High in Memphis. Right. So uh, to have the audacity to dream that big at that young of an age shows you the confidence he has in himself. And I think, Christian, we saw that confidence today at the press conference. And there, there is a lot to like about Hugh Freeze, a lot to like. And uh, I think that was on full display today. Yeah, no, I mean, if you go at Coach Saban right away in your first press conference, I mean, you have to have a lot of confidence. And, you know, you mentioned him mentioning <laughs> family a lot. And I, I like that because I feel like in football, you have to have a family atmosphere amongst your program. You know, it creates trust and cohesiveness. And, 
you know, throughout the organization that usually leads to more success. I mean, you you heard what Tua was talking about with, you know, Coach Mike McDaniels, you know, how unbelievable how yeah. the, you know, the big the biggest difference between, you know, him and Brian Flores is just that trust and, and confidence in Tua himself. And Tua was talking about how he used to look in the mirror and say, I, do I suck? And then, you know, Mike McDaniels comes in and creates a 700-play cut-up 700 showing cut you, up. hey, no, you are a talented kid. Like, you can do all the things you want to accomplish. And uh, and you see how Tua's playing right now. So, you know, I, I like when coaches talk about family and, and trust in their guys because it's so important and so critical um, for an organization or a team or a school, whoever it may be, um, to, to have that because at least there's much more success. Could, could we stay on Tua just for one second, um, uh, Christian? We, we, we did talk about how McDaniel sort of has installed almost the Alabama offense a little bit or running similar plays. I, I'd like to ask you, one, if that's correct, and two, what is the difference that you see in Tua from last year to this year? You know, I, I, I'd i have to really watch, uh, you know, like their offensive tapes to try to tell if, you know, they're, they're you know, identical or, or that similar. I'm sure there's a lot of similarities. I mean, I know the RPOs that definitely feel similar. And uh, obviously they have a strong connection already with him and Jalen Waddle. I mean, those guys play together in college. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it, some of it does look similar. Um, but I'll say that I think the biggest difference really is his confidence. I mean, everybody knows Tua has a has a talented arm. He, you know, he's a natural. I remember when he came here, um, he was just so accurate and had so much zip on his passes. Um, so we know what he could do physically. And uh, you saw his success here because he had confidence in himself. You know, he had confidence um, with his receivers. And, uh, you know, he had a great career at Alabama. Then I think when you go to the NFL, it's a huge adjustment. You know, a whole new team, whole new organization, new coaches, new location. Everything is different. You almost restart. And, 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 and while you're restarting, you're now competing against the best in the world. It's not an easy transition, especially uh, for a quarterback uh, to go out there and have that translate. Did you ever lose confidence in your career? Oh, I, when I first got uh, to the NFL, I, I remember, you know, just I was doing pass rush uh, reps against guys. And I just remember I was like, man, like, <laughs> like, man, like, dang, like, where, where are my moves at? You know, but it wasn't necessarily me. It's just I just had to adjust. I had to, you know, adapt because the, these new offensive tackles I'm going against. I mean, these are the best of the best. You know, they you, the, the 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 margin of error is so slim. You know, you have to have a as a defensive end, for example, you have to have the perfect takeoff. You know, you have to have the perfect footwork. You have to have perfect hand combat. I remember I would beat a guy clean with my move, but because it wasn't my, he would recover. And it, it was crazy to me because I'm like, I just beat this guy clean with like what I call a long chop, right? I stab with a long arm and I bring a chop with it. And the guy would just recover. And I'm like, dang. Like, so I'm like, all right, now I have to make sure I violently throw a rip after I beat my, I beat my guy with my move. Like every little detail matters in the NFL. <laughs> so true. Oh, yeah. Man, so true. Um, <clears throat> back to freeze as we roll into break. Lars mentioned his stint at Briarcrest uh, Christian there in Memphis. You know, that's uh, where he coached Mike Lower and was in the movie. He wasn't in. There was some uh, kind of very uncoached-like looking guy that played Hugh Freeze in that movie. But um, he received a lot of notoriety, and I think it's funny that in that movie – the uh, Ole Miss coach, and they played themselves, Ed Ogeron, and then uh, the LSU coach was Nick Saban. Bring it, Nick Saban. It's just uh, fun facts to know and tell. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. 
best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. With Black Friday savings at the Home Depot, you'll find top brand kitchen appliances with innovative features that can do more so your holidays can be more. Ovens with built-in air fryers for baking the perfect cookies. Thunderstorms moving in. The storms can be severe. Be sure you can hear warnings if they are needed tonight. The low right around 60 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 72 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson and Christian Miller. Appreciate you folks dialing us in, I'm sure, unless you've been spelunking all morning and early afternoon. You know that Hugh Freeze is the new head football coach at Auburn. Christian, you played against this guy, and certainly you've watched his offenses, and particularly at Liberty, where he just threw up great numbers with the Flames. What does he do offensively that can uh, tangle up the likes of Nick Saban and Alabama's defenses? Well, I can speak on, you know, his time at Ole Miss from what I saw. If, if I'm being completely honest, I didn't watch too many Liberty games. I saw one or two, but see, seeing him when he was at Ole Miss in the SEC, you know, he you know, he liked to spread out his offense, and uh, they, they, he did a good job just moving guys around, and, and, and he always had, you know, explosive guys on offense to use. And, uh, you know, he also did a good job running the football as well. He just – he's very creative as – I kind of – you know, he reminds me kind of a Lane Kiffin uh, somewhat in terms of just the creativity um, and, and just, you know, really explosive. And, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely um, hard to match up with some of the, the things that he'll throw at you. So he's definitely very talented, and uh, he, he, he provides a great challenge for defense to try to stop his offenses. And he talked about too his ability to develop quarterbacks. And I know you are on the other side of the ball, obviously. But what is it about a uh, a coach that is good at sort of getting a quarterback to maximize his potential? Well, you know, the quarterback is kind of well, he's like the head of the team, but especially the head of the offense. And when you have a really good quarterback, I'll give you a great example. You look at this year's offense with Alabama and Bryce Young. I hate to say it, but without Bryce Young, I mean, I don't know how that offense would have turned out. Yeah. And so that just shows you how critical it is to have um, good offensive play or good, uh, specifically good quarterback play. And uh, and when you can develop those guys into to, uh, talented passers, but also, you know, just um, good playmakers, you know, that can improvise and can can run the offense and really make plays out there. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's crucial to, uh, to your team's success. And uh you made a great point. You know, he's, he's good at developing quarterbacks. And guess who else is good at developing quarterbacks? Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Both of those guys have really high-powered, successful offenses. So it all translates. And uh, that's why I feel like, you know, he's a good fit at Auburn. Matt, are you surprised that Hugh Freeze was the number one target all along, according to Auburn officials? And and uh, and, and we haven't heard any reports to suggest otherwise, and that it wasn't no. uh, that it wasn't Lane Kiffin. You know, uh, sometimes when they say <clears throat> instead of he was our number one top dog, Big Cheese, you know, he was the guy. They'll say he was at the top. Is that the same? I don't know. I'm reading too much into it. That's where I would have gone from the very beginning. You agreed. They did. They got their guy. 
if he wasn't just like, yeah, I kind of starting to believe they've been talking to him for a while. What do you think? And by the way, Kiffin, I mean, um, he, Freeze must have gotten a little distracted because a, a very below average New Mexico State team just kicked Liberty around this past weekend. Hey, another note on, on Freeze, which you're probably aware of. Um, he won a lot of games at Liberty with a former Auburn quarterback. Remember? Malik Willis from Auburn goes to Liberty. Now is he in the NFL. Also, another thing that I really, really like about Hugh Freeze, had a chance to be around him briefly, introduced him, did some stuff when he was uh, over at uh, Talladega Super Speedway. He loves NASCAR, just like Christian Miller. I know Christian's a big NASCAR guy. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to mention uh, real briefly just about the weather. Uh, just uh, here in Tuscaloosa, we had a, a pretty stout downpour that moved on. But, um, you know, listening to James Spann and others that the uh, Storm Prediction Center has the state of Alabama at a uh, an, at enhanced risk of level three out of five. And um, and uh, so uh, according to to James, that there are a few severe storms that are possible far uh, in the uh, across far west Alabama as early as four to eight, and the concern is hail with a little surface-based instability, whatever that means. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I need I should have gone to Mississippi State and uh, took meteorology classes, but uh, the, the 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 big threat is going to come from between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. and uh, the main issues from this threat include tornadoes, damaging winds up to 70 miles an hour, hail up to ping pong ball size, heavy rainfall. And um, and right now, James is saying that the highest risk of tornado possibilities will be along the south of I-20 and west of I-65. Um, this is where the best combination that James said of, of uh, shear and instability will be found, and that is the ingredients for uh, the possibility of a tornado. So everybody should, everybody should just be weather aware today. Thank that, you, Lars. And that Bam. is yes, yes, Lars. That, <laughs> that is it. that is your uh, hourly weather update from Lars Spann. Nice. Hey, I want to go back, guys, to something Jeff Spiegel said because he absolutely nailed it, and I think this is of interest to people that are listening to Big Noon Sports. I know it was Lars, and I could almost feel Lars uh, over the over the telephone lines saying, uh, "I think he nailed it." But his description of what it's like to be a local member of the media at a news conference where a new coach is being hired, and he, the way he described it, how it makes you anxious as a reporter because you're standing right there or close to Jimmy Rain. Jimmy Rain knows who you are. You're going to ask a tough question. Lars, you've been there and done that a lot of times. It is a, a little, maybe not for you, but it was for me, and I thought Jeff Spiegel described it perfectly. Yeah, uh, I I thought uh, Jeff and the guys from uh, AL.com did a terrific job in asking the difficult questions. Now, the issue is for reporters, when you ask difficult questions, that means your access could be limited going forward. So do you want to get off on the the sort of wrong foot with uh, Hugh Freeze? Um, so, and, and I would say no, like you always should ask the, uh, the most pertinent germane questions that the fan base wants to hear because ultimately 
you are an extension of the fan base. You are there to provide information that the fans want to know. And you're there to ask the questions that the fans want to be asked. And, uh, and I and I thought uh, Joseph Goodman and and others uh, and and and, Spie- and Jeff Spiegel did a really good job and not shying away. I am surprised that nobody asked about the the DMs uh, that uh, that um, uh, he sent to a student uh, at Liberty uh, named Chelsea Andrews and uh, about uh, it's sort of a a complicated story and maybe we can get into it in the second hour but uh, and and I and but al.com did a terrific job in breaking it down in that Andrews uh, she's a sexual assault survivor and she was critical of Liberty Athletic Director Ian McCaw and uh, and then Freeze DM'd her and saying, "Hey, he, he's a really he's a really good guy. He's a really good guy." And and um, it was really inappropriate for Hugh Freeze to get on the more high ground here and DMing a student who is a sexual assault survivor. So uh, it was wildly inappropriate, and I was surprised he wasn't asked about it. I think his daughter has taken over as administrative assistant. That'll cut that stuff out. This is big noon sports. It only happens once a year. JCPenney's Cyber Deals are back in-store and at jcp.com. Through Wednesday, fill your cart with deals like Yes, Please, Diamonds, and Jack. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Welcome back into the program. You heard it, Big Noon Sports. Lars, Matt, Christian, thank you for joining us. Social media has just become such a an everyday part of our world, and Lars was certainly making reference to that. Um, at one point, uh, Hugh Freeze was asked uh, about whether or not he was con- going to continue his presence on social media, um, and what was his? He said uh, he is not going to relinquish. So... There you go. And meanwhile, you go to any page with Auburn associated with it, and there are people that are just flat out angry. Guys, I got we kind of touched on this earlier. I didn't expect this much outrage. Did you, Lars? No, I didn't. Um, because I think he's sort of done his time away from the SEC, uh, worked on himself, worked on his family. Uh, kept his family together uh, and, um, you know, has shown the proper contrition uh, and evolved. And, uh, again, I, I, I'm, I, I, when you're in a room with Hugh and just talking to him one-on-one, it, it's, it's really hard not to like the guy. I mean, he, he can kind of cast a spell over you because he's, he's very uh, charming, articulate, engaging, uh, he's the kind of guy who lights up a room. And um, so, you know, maybe some of this will it, it will die down. And you know what cures everything, unfortunately, is winning games. 
And you look at Auburn's schedule next year, and we can go over here in a little bit, but uh, I think Auburn can easily get to a bowl game uh, just uh, based on, on what their schedule is. And uh, I think seven or eight wins isn't out of the question. I don't know. Let me see here. Uh, I, what, what, do you have it? I'm going to pull it up. Might just yes. see where we're going to go with this. Um, by the way, guys, I touched on this yesterday, and I will do so again since it's official. I mean, yesterday we were pretty sure that Freeze was going to get the gig. Well, he did. Now you have uh, Nick Saban and uh, Jimbo Fisher. In the this is all in the SEC West. Both have won national championships, Saban certainly with multiple. Then you got Brian Kelly down at LSU. Well, he's played for one, got got spanked, but he has done I think a lot better at LSU this year, with the exception of the last game against the Aggies. Um, I mean, he is just going to be so formidable down in Baton Rouge, and I think we we know Sam Pittman is a solid there in Fayetteville. And then you got Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach. If I'm Oklahoma and Texas, I might be phoning it in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have uh, Auburn's schedule up for next year. Uh, open against UMass at home. That's a win. Travel out to Berkeley, California. Take on Cal on September 9th. Interesting matchup. I don't know the last time when Auburn played Cal, but I would think that's a win. Sanford at home. That's a win. So he's probably going to start out 3-0. and uh, Then uh, Texas A&M on the road. Let's give that one to Texas A&M. Uh, Georgia, give that one to Georgia. LSU, give that one to LSU. Ole Miss, probably give that one to Ole Miss. Mississippi State, eh, at home, I'll take, I'll take Auburn. Vandy on the road, I'll take, I'll take Auburn. Arkansas on the road. That's a toss-up. Look at the next one. Look yeah, at the, the next one. How funny. Let's say, yeah. Uh, then New Mexico State. So let's give, let's say Arkansas wins that game. New Mexico State, that's a win. So you're up to six wins there. It makes you bowl eligible. And then you got Alabama uh, at home. And uh, we know what can happen there. And also Hugh Freeze's track record against uh, Nick Saban is pretty impressive. Actually more impressive than any other coach in the country. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I think a, it would be reasonable to expect seven wins out of this team next year. I think it's hysterical that the team did just beat Hugh Freeze uh, at the end of his career there at Liberty is actually on Auburn's schedule next year at Jordan-Hare Stadium in New Mexico State. So uh, that was that was kind of interesting. Hey, Christian, is, is he the guy that seems to you that can come in there and develop a quarterback uh, of the athletic ability of Robbie Ashford? Um, or or you think maybe he's looking transfer portal? Uh, I, I, I definitely think Robbie Ashford has a has an opportunity to be um, the guy for them moving forward. You know, he's a, a dual-threat quarterback, and I feel like that's what Hugh Freeze um, generally likes to use, guys with some athletic, uh, athletic, athletic ability. 
And, um, you know, again, Hugh Freeze does a really good job of, you know, creating mismatches on offense and trying to spread you out and, and just doing a really nice job of just implementing you know, good play design. So I, I think I think Robbie Ashford he definitely could uh, contend at being uh, the quarterback moving forward, but I would not be surprised if they, they do look in the portal, the transfer portal, and see if um, any other quarterbacks are available to uh, give them a, a better opportunity uh, at the quarterback position. You know, it's interesting just looking at Hugh Freeze's last season at Liberty. Um, Matt, you alluded to this. Uh, he lost his last three games at UConn, and UConn's a terrible team. Uh, lost 36-33. Virginia Tech, they lost 23-22, so both those close games. And then New Mexico State at home uh, at Williams Stadium there in Lynchburg, Virginia, where my, my mom used to live, uh, they just got blown out 49-14. Uh, I, apparently the players knew <laughs> that uh, their head coach was leaving. I don't know. But, um, you know, Matt, it's, it's, I know you uh, have been around these coaching hires in this state for a long time. And Jeff Spiegel, who we had on last hour, said that uh, this is the most controversial hire he can remember in his 30-plus years of covering uh, Auburn and Alabama. Would you agree with Jeff on that? Absolutely. And and uh, as I just asked you guys about 15 minutes ago, I'm surprised by it. Um, this guy's a tr- proven track record now. He can coach, and he can coach and win in the SEC. Not only that, okay, I'm, you're going on about him beating Saban back-to-back. But he can. Um, and, yeah, he had an indiscretion. You know what? That was a stupid thing to do. Um, calling escort services on a university phone. I mean, you know, sometimes I think, and okay, I'm going to get back on my box. Uh, Sometimes I think we put administrators and head football coaches up on pedestals they don't deserve. We especially expect them to keep a moral high ground. You know, good grief, folks. We're all human beings. Gosh, if everybody knew about the things I'd done, I wouldn't be here. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't that bad, but, you know, I've certainly misstepped in my life, and you know, we're all about forgiveness here, aren't we? Uh, what yeah. he did was dumb. You know, he had the NCAA problems, too. But, boy, he sure did get a lot of players in Korea. <laughs> I mean, they yeah. had, you know, they had some unbelievable players. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. you know, I'm of a give the guy a break uh, mentality here where apparently if, if I were in the uh, Auburn community, I'd be in the minority. Yeah, I, I think, Matt, the, the – and I'm with you on the whole second chances thing, and uh, but I think the biggest thing is, and being an athlete myself, you know, we're put on pedestals as well, and you know, we're taught to, hey, we have to, we have to move a little bit different. We can't, we can't do everything that everyone else does because the consequences are far greater usually um, because of the attention that it's going to bring um, to ourselves and our program. So I think it's just one of those things that I mean, you just expect a guy, uh, you know, of his age and of in, in his position just to know better. I mean. We're not saying you have to be perfect, but I mean, <laughs> you know, using that kind of phone, the, the university phone, <laughs> and reaching out to a, to an escort service. I mean, you just have to know better, you know. And then it's one of those things where it's like, you do it one time, it's a mistake. But if you you, you know you you keep making multiple bad decisions, that eventually becomes a part of who you are. And I'm not saying you can't change, but I, I think that's kind of where people are going they, they just feel like there's just numerous things that have that have occurred and uh, it almost kind of appears like it's a pattern 
to an extent. Now, again, I know people can change, but I think that's where the backlash comes. You know, I think if it was a, a one-time thing, it's like, hey, okay, this guy made a mistake. But repeated mistakes, that's almost a reflection of who you are, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, but one reason why Auburn is uh, – why they hired the guy is because he has rebuilt programs at Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss was irrelevant. Uh, for what two decades three decades uh, before Hugh Freeze got there back to the days of Johnny Vaughton Archie Manning and uh, he did the same thing at Liberty and I remember when I was uh, spending time with him he has this in his office and I'm pretty sure he still has it today it's a phone book thick manuscript and it's his personal like manifesto for how to construct a winning program and it's called the journey and there's nine chapters in it and he showed it to me uh and they include uh his recruiting plan first hundred days on the job top 25 things to build and his ideas for how to engage the fan base and his coaching philosophy and it took freeze uh about two decades to refine this uh the to refine everything that's in this uh the journey uh manuscript but it's his it's his core coaching philosophy and uh and so he he has a plan and his plan has worked and now he is at a place that has more fan support they're gonna have more nil money and uh you know better facilities than anywhere he's ever been and so when when you sort of take everything in totality and you analyze everything it's like man Hugh Freeze really makes sense for this job Matt I think it does Uh, and I I think I don't know if Saban's actually sitting there drumming his fingers on his desk there I don't Uh, don't think so (laughs) but I I don't you know but but I do think he goes well you know like I said a minute ago this SEC West has got some really really good coaches in it um yeah, I don't think he's nervous, but I, I I think that they will certainly. Don't you think they'll butt heads a lot when it comes to recruiting in this state? This state, man, it produces a lot of high school talent. So, yeah, and uh, you know what? Hugh Freeze is going to get his share, especially early because he can offer them the opportunity to play a lot immediately. Back with more on Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. The gift of Ancestry DNA is one that you never really finish unwrapping, with new surprises in store long after the holidays are over. Dad could discover that he probably... With thunderstorms moving in, the storms could be severe. Be sure you can hear warnings if they are needed tonight. The low right around 60 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Really, really enjoy that type of game. And I have a great respect for Nick. And he and Miss Terry have been really good friends to us, too. Um, but... Um, I hope they're a little nervous today. (laughs) 
Coach, we're going to take two more. Third row. I love that. Uh, what a great response. So he's already tossing across the bow from uh, Auburn to Tuscaloosa. So, like I said earlier, though, I don't really know how. I mean, if Saban's really hitting the bottle over that. Um, hey, guys, did you watch my night football? Yeah, I did. I uh, suffered through every single play of the game last night. And it... <laughs> um, Initial thought is uh, Matt Ryan is pretty much done as a quarterback in the NFL, um, and he he struggled mightily, um, uh, and but it, it, somehow some way the Colts had a chance to um, to tie it late in the game. But uh, then there were issues with uh, they're, they're driving down the field. Uh, they're facing a third and three. Um, and uh, look, everybody in the building knows that they're going to give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. You know, I mean, and uh, Taylor gets stuffed. And then uh, on fourth down, um, uh, it was an incompletion on the left sideline. Uh, but uh, I, I thought Indianapolis was actually going to be really good this year uh, just because of Jonathan Taylor and their offensive line, and I thought Matt Ryan still had something left. But it's clear that, that Matt Ryan, this is this is going to be his last year in the league. I mean, he's just uh, not there. But on the flip side, I thought uh, Pickett played really well for the Steelers, and uh he keeps giving these signs that he could be the franchise guy that they hoped he would be when they drafted him in the first round out of Pitt. Christian, I don't know if you saw the game last night, but uh, have you had a chance to see Kenny Pickett and and also just uh, your thoughts on, on Matt Ryan? You know, I, I think Kenny Pickett's one of those guys that he's getting better and better each week, and uh, I think it's another case of, what I mentioned earlier, just you know, taking it, taking a little bit of time for a guy to transition, and uh, and I think he sh- he shows a lot of promise, and I think he's going to be a good quarterback for them. You know, he's just still young, and you know, feeling it out, figuring figuring the the game out. But um, you know, Matt Ryan, speaking on him, you know, he's a talented guy. I mean, I feel like he's always been kind of like an unsung hero. He never really got uh, a lot of credit that he deserved, but. His time in Atlanta, he he could have just won that Super Bowl. If they would have won that Super Bowl, I mean, it would have. It's, it's such a huge difference in his legacy. I would have felt like, but he still, he just has, he's always been a very good quarterback. And uh, I think just you know, he's just getting older, and you know, you hate to see it, but you know, his, his time in the NFL, I feel like he never really got the credit he deserved. He had some 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 really good years, you know, in, in Atlanta with you know Julio and man, you know, really good quarterback. Yep, Matt, what were your thoughts I on agree the game? Totally. Yep. Yeah, well, first of all, it was a very entertaining game, and I liked watching it. I did not like, and I don't know if you guys have read anything, is Najee okay? I mean, they took him to the locker Yeah, room. I think he did, I aggravated I his foot injury. Hey, by the way, he's pretty good. Uh, you know what else I was noticing I want to ask Christian about is Levi Wallace, undersized. Was he a walk-on? He certainly is a wonderful story to see him and see him still being very, very competitive in the National Football League. I love that you brought him up. That's actually one of my best friends, and, um, you know, his story is awesome. You know, he um, he walked on here at the University of Alabama. It was one of his, his father's wishes for him, and um, unfortunately his father ended up passing away while we were here in school. Um, and uh, Levi just, you know, you know, finished that dream out. You know, he worked his way 
up the the depth chart and uh, earned a starting role on our defense and it was a critical part of our defense in uh, 2017 and uh you know it's, it's great to see him having the success that he's having you know he's a great great football player but off the field you know he's tremendous he does a lot of work in the communities and uh he's just a great friend a man of faith can't say enough about him you know, I, I can try to get him on the show if he uh, has some time, I'm yeah. sure he'd probably love to talk about it. But no, you said it perfect. You know, he's he was undersized, you know, a real small guy. But we always called him the technician. If you watch this guy, even on his time on the scout team uh, fields, you can ask anybody. You know, he was one of the best cover guys we had on the team. You know, he was a small, skinny kid, but he could just he could cover anybody on the team. And it's because of his his great fundamentals. He wasn't the biggest, he wasn't the fastest, but because he was so precise in his technique, it allowed him to to compete with the best of the best. And uh, we're seeing it uh, today that he's still playing in the NFL. I think this is year five for him. And, um, you know, it's it's, it's fun to watch him. And uh, I I keep up with him regularly. We talk on a regular basis. So we'll have to bring him on the show and let him talk a little bit about his journey. It's interesting. Levi Wallace beat out... uh, in, 20, Diggs, in 2017, he ended up beating out Trayvon Diggs, who uh, was first-team All-Pro last year. And it, it's crazy when um, Christian, these guys at Alabama, it's like they can't almost get starting roles. Mm-hmm. And then they get to the NFL, and they just take off. Oh, Jalen 100%. Hurts Jalen Hurts is probably going to be the MVP of the league. Yeah, and it just goes to show you how much, number one, how much talent we have here at Alabama. And number two, sometimes it just takes guys a chance to get an opportunity. I mean, you want to mention other guys. You have Cam Sims, yeah. wide receiver. Didn't play the most while he was here. He's yeah. going on year five with the Washington Washington Commanders right now, and uh, he's a big part of their offense. I mean, I can name a, a number of guys who didn't have the largest roles here just because there's so much talent and competition, but they get a chance on Sundays and, and, and they make the most of it. I mean, we saw last night. I don't know if you guys saw Tony Brown had a big sack yeah, he did. for the Colts. I was yeah. like, wait, that's Tony Brown from Alabama. It, yeah. it, it happens every game I watch in mm-hmm. the NFL. It's like, oh, this is that's another Alabama guy, another right. Alabama guy. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how many Alabama players are in the NFL. I, I believe it's over 70 now. Uh, currently in the league, oh, man. right around I mean, there. I was watching uh, some film on, you know, like our 2017, a uh, 2017 team, and literally everybody on the field either played in the NFL or is in the NFL. Wow! I don't think there was one guy who didn't even get the opportunity, and and, and you could say the same probably for 2016, 2018, even the years before that. But I'm just saying those the years I had been uh, looking at recently, and then you go watch on Sundays now. It's it's crazy to see, but it uh, I think it's just a testament of you know how special this program here is and how much talent is here and has been here hey christian i want you to uh first of all i'm always curious a guy from uh, columbia ends up becoming best friends with a guy from tucson arizona uh what what for lack of a better way to ask you the question what kind of attracted what what did you guys have in common that made y'all such close friends and also (laughs) as long as you're at it Tell us a wacky Tony Brown story. Well, you know, uh, me and Levi became close because it's actually there's three of us. It's me, Levi, then Jamie Mosley, uh, younger brother, CJ. Me and Jamie were best friends and roommates, and uh, we became close with Levi as well just because he's very similar to us. We're, we're kind of like laid back. Uh, you know, and we, we don't really, you know, do too much. You know, you know, we'd all, they, especially them, they, they talk about those guys have Bible study every, like, every morning almost. They wow. still do it. I mean, and that's really what kind of brought everybody close together, you know, is, um, you know, just our personalities um, really meshed together. And um, 
again we spend a lot of time together on and off the field and uh again we still we still keep up to this day but um Tony Brown, man, there's just uh, there's probably a plethora of memories I could even just try to sort through about Tony. I mean, there's, I, I mean, I don't even know where to start with Tony. And what's funny Wasn't is he me, just a, like, a physical freak. No, nah, he's a physical freak, but just he he honestly is probably one of the funniest people I've ever been around. And it's almost to a point where like he was, he just talked so much that it was a love hate relationship. Because sometimes you just want to be like, dude, be quiet. But other times <laughs> it's like, you just keep going, man. You're hilarious, but. He, um, man, he sat right next to Coach Saban in the meeting rooms. And I swear, I, I'm sure Coach Saban probably hated every <laughs> every minute of it because Tony always liked messing with him. Tony always would chime in on something. <laughs> Tony, would, <laughs> Tony would just say or do whatever he felt like. <laughs> he just was one of the most entertaining people to be around. And I, you could ask anybody, arguably one of the funniest players in that locker room. Well, I think it's cool that Levi Wallace is, uh, is doing really well in the league. And, and like you said, Cam Sims and, and guys who were kind of overshadowed a little bit at Alabama, Travion Diggs, uh, the list goes on and on. And uh, I just looked it up. There, There's about, at the beginning of the year, there were 58 Alabama players on active rosters. So um, that's a, an entire team, more than an entire team. So... Um, impressive and in the 2021 there was 54 uh they had 53 in 2020 and uh it's uh obviously the the most of any college team and um i know that uh nick saban certainly reminds recruits that of that did did he tell you about the nfl did you talk nfl with coach saban during your recruiting time oh he definitely talks about it but it's, it's plastered all throughout the building I yeah mean, you see it everywhere the number of first round yeah. draft picks the amount of money people have signed in contract do you, you ever get like any gift baskets from alabama when you were in the nfl Oh man, those uh, those those uh, gift bags or whatever we want to call it, those gift boxes. I gift boxes. Say. Yeah. Oh man, they, they. Sorry, that's Derek Jeter that gave out the gift baskets. Oh, same thing, same thing, <laughs> Lars. It is full of hats and shirts and oh man, everything you can imagine. Everything Alabama. Alabama. That's right. That's yep. cool. Yep. They want to brand it at that level too, yeah. which is just brilliant. That's right. All right, uh, we're going to talk some basketball. Huge win for the Crimson Tide this past weekend over number one North Carolina. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. You're listening with Lars and Matt and Christian on Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. With Black Friday savings at the Home Depot, you'll find top brand kitchen appliances with innovative features that can do more so your holidays can be more. Ovens with built-in air fryers for baking the perfect cookies.
Back on Big Noon Sports, it's Matt, it's Lars, it's Christian, and joined by the color analyst from the Alabama Crimson Tide Sports Network Basketball. And it's also former player Brian Passink is going to join us. And the sounds you heard of the celebration after Alabama's 103-101, to four-overtime victory over number one North Carolina. Huge win. Uh, first of all, hello, Brian. Watch the weather. I know you are. How's your family? And tell us a little bit about your trip to Portland. Well, hello, gentlemen. Great to be with you. And uh, it was it, it was a great trip. Uh, Portland is weird, uh, and and we enjoyed it. It was. It, it was it, oh, I, lo- I love that clip. I- I've watched it about a million times. Uh, the post game locker room you just you just can't beat it. Uh, but it was a great trip to Portland. Uh, one of the premier, if not the, I think the the premier pre conference tournament uh, in the country with just the the brand names of the top Nike schools in, in the country were there and uh, to to go two and one I mean the goal was three and0 to win the championship but I uh, felt like Alabama won the championship when you when you play North Carolina which you hope to play number one North Carolina on Sunday I didn't think it would be in the third place game but nonetheless you don't have many opportunities in life to play the number one team in the country. Uh, but to get that and for it to be such an epic game, four overtimes, battling through adversity, injury and foul trouble, and uh, just some of your top players, uh, and Brandon Miller specifically, who uh, is such a great player, did not have his best afternoon. To overcome all that and win the game uh, was just felt like uh, Alabama was the, the, the PKI, Phil Knight Invitational champion. Uh, and Listen, you, you look at this game, and the NCAA Tournament Committee certainly will look at this game uh, when, when it comes to seeding uh, for the NCAA Tournament, and you won't know that it was a third-place game. It doesn't really matter. It, it was an epic game against two uh, highly-ranked teams uh, that will play a factor come March Madness. What, what do you think of the uh, – or what are you seeing out of Charles Bediaco? Uh, it seems to me that he has made massive stride forward. Yeah, he was incredible. Um, loved the fact that uh, he had such a big game. He's just such a such a good guy, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Uh, and he's a hard worker, and he's worked extremely hard in the off season uh, to put on twenty pounds of muscle and get better. And that came through in a big way on Sunday against North Carolina. Fourteen point sixteen rebounds, I think three or four blocked shots in forty four minutes. Uh, it, it's just incredible, and what what uh, improvement he has made from his freshman to sophomore season, and with without angry Chuck as his teammates call him, uh, that would not have been an Alabama victory. He was so good, and you know his stats jump out at you. But to me, it, the the things that he did that didn't show up in the stat sheet were every bit as valuable, if not more, to contributing to a win. There were several times where North Carolina is running high pick and rolls for uh, Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, and you've got the seven-footer, Charles Bediaco, matched up on two of the best guards in college basketball, and he stayed with them and would force difficult shots. Didn't necessarily block shots, but force difficult shots. And some of the mid-range jumpers that North Carolina was hitting in the first half, they were missing in the second half, and a big reason why is – having to shoot over the outstretched arms of Charles Bediaco. So uh, that was great to see, needed uh, needed all of that in a four-overtime victory. But 
Uh, he's one of the most improved players, I think, not just on this Alabama team, but in the Southeastern Conference, and a big reason uh, why Alabama has a chance to do something special this year. Brian, you just mentioned doing something special this year. I know it's still early on in the year, but what is it about this year's team that just gives them such high potential? Well, you know, it, it starts with talent and depth and athleticism, skill, all those things you have to have. But uh, the stuff that I see off the floor, um, I think, is is every bit as much important as important as those things. Um, you see. Guys like Brandon Miller, who who struggled in the game against North Carolina, um, excited for his teammates. You, you see guys as excited about making the right pass as opposed to scoring. Uh, you know, it's an unselfish group. Uh, it's a team first group. They're they're hard workers. They're they're a group that that is they they have their own individual goals, but they're never at the expense of team success. And so uh, this that. They have a chance uh, to be really good, really special. So far, so good early in the season. Obviously, a ton of basketball to be played. The SEC is going to be as good as we've seen in a long time, which is saying something. But uh, this team has a chance to be really good. And uh, if they keep working, have the right attitude, they'll be able to accomplish all those goals. (laughs) And (laughs) It's funny. Um, Do you think, what is the ceiling for this team? Are we talking potential number one seed? Well, yeah, I don't want to get too, too, uh, too far ahead of ourselves here. But I'll tell you this. Last year, we talked about it uh, on the air on Sunday. Uh, last Thanksgiving uh, tournament, I watched the eventual national champs, Kansas Jayhawks, lose to a pretty average, at the time, Dayton team. And if you would have told me that Kansas team was going to cut down the nets and win the national championship, uh, I would not have believed you. Um, you look back at North Carolina, who was a possession away from beating Kansas for the national championship last year. And in mid-February, they were considered one of the first four teams out. They, they were on the bubble. They weren't even in the NCAA tournament. So uh, anything can happen. Listen, it's November. Uh, I love the pieces of this team, but... You know, if, if they continue to get better, limit the turnovers, continue to uh, defend at a high level and, and become a little more cohesive as, as the season progresses, yeah, they, they have a chance to do something special. I don't want to say uh, predict a, a Final Four or anything like, like that, but, but uh, they're, they're, they have all the pieces in place to do those things if everything comes together. And, you know, I, I'm excited about this team. I know – Everybody affiliated with the program, they're excited, and, and fans are. So uh, it's it's been a, a great start to the season. It's a lot of fun and, and looking forward to seeing how this team progresses. Brian, Nate Oates has been here since 2019 now. What is it that he brings to the team, and how critical is it to have him as a head coach here at the University of Alabama? Well, yeah, I, I think you know something about how important having a really good head coach is. And uh, we, we have that uh, in the football program and, and just about every one of our athletic programs and basketball is no different. Nate Oates is considered one of the top young up-and-coming coaches in the country. And and that is not just what Alabama fans are saying. That's what people in the sport of basketball, uh, you look at what they're doing in the NBA, uh, and it is very similar to what Nate Oates is doing. And you talk to 
general managers of NBA teams, assistant coaches, coaches in the, in the league. And, and uh, Alabama prepares you for what's ahead in the NBA. And it's a big reason why recruiting has gone national for the basketball program. You're getting guys like Brandon Miller and Noah Clowney and a top three recruiting class uh, from guys from all around the country. I mean, Charles Vidiaco is an example. He's from Canada. Uh, player, the best players in the country uh, have goals to play in the NBA, and Alabama style Nate Oates and what this program is doing prepares you for that as well as anybody. And it is a fun style to play. I mean, this uh, is one of the fastest teams in college basketball. They're going to get up and down, um, and that's fun. It's hard because of the work that it takes to prepare to play at that pace, but for guys that have aspirations to go on to the next level, uh, there's not many places, if any, better than Tuscaloosa right now. As we let you go, and our thanks to Brian Passing from Crimson Tide Sports Network, just talk a little bit about Javon Quinterly. Has anybody busted their rump harder to get back and then excel when they did? <laughs> I haven't seen it. I'm so happy for him. I've always been a huge JQ fan. Uh, to see him out on the court is amazing. To see him so productive is shocking. Um, I think he played 44, 45 minutes, and nobody anticipated that he'd be out on the court. I think he had 21 points, 8 assists. It wasn't perfect, but he looks great. Uh, he wanted the ball in late-game situations, uh, and and he is one of the top players, one of the top point guards in the country. And the reason he's out on the court, court right now is because his heart is bigger than most guys, and he's working hard. He's worked incredibly hard, and, and I think he's just going to get better and better as the year progresses. And uh, that is not good news for future Alabama opponents because I think JQ is just hitting his stride. Great stuff. Love listening to you. Appreciate it and glad you're back safely from – what did you say, Portland, was weird? Uh, it, was just, it was just a little weird. They take pride in that. I'm ha- yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this. Yeah. I'm happy to – I'm happy to be back in Sweet Home Alabama, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brian Passink. We appreciate it very much. Thanks, uh, You've been listening, and we'll continue. Thank you. Uh, listen to the uh, Big Noon Sports Show, Lars, Matt, Christian. Right back. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9 presents a night with award-winning Elvis tribute artist Jerome Jackson. Friday, December 9th at 7.30. Thunderstorms moving in. The storms can be severe. Be sure you can hear warnings if they are needed tonight. The low right around 60 degrees. I'm James Spann of the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 72 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Staff, staff has to drive the culture. I'm not near as concerned about X's and O's with most of the staff. The defensive coordinator has got to be masterful at that. But the rest of the staff, obviously, if I were to show you the number of texts I've received of of big-time college coaches wanting to come to this place, it's going to be very difficult, very difficult to decide 
But what will be the deciding factor is putting a staff together that I think complements each other and drives the culture consistently. There is none of this, well, you know, that's a suggestion. No, it's not a suggestion. This is how we do it, and it's proven to turn programs. There you have another excerpt from the news conference today from Auburn. Hugh Freeze, the 31st head football coach. You know what? He'll have a lot of room to pay some of these other guys that are interested in coaching at AU because he signed a six-year, $6.5 million contract. Yes, that's a lot of money, but it's only eighth best in the SEC, and that allows him, for lack of a better way to describe it, a lot of cap room, if you will, using a professional sports term. Guys, I'm sitting here in the studios at Crawford in Birmingham, and I'm watching the World Cup. I don't know if y'all are keeping up. Yeah, You're probably watching it in that we're, studio. We're riveted USA to is leading. Yeah. yeah. Uh, USA cr- is leading Iran 1-0. Christian Polsek with a uh, really nice goal uh, on a cross uh, in a, ma- a big collision with the goalie, and he was down for quite a while. Um, but uh, he's now back in the game, and there's about uh, two minutes left in the first half, and this is a must-win for the United States to uh, advance out of group play uh, to get into the knockout round of the World Cup. And uh, these two teams don't like each other. There's, there's no question about it. There's all sort of you know political overtones, uh, sort of uh, what I viewed as inappropriate questions being asked by uh, the, uh, uh, some reporters from Iran. Is that right? Oh, you, got, you better make yeah, sure you pronounce it right yeah, or they'll, they'll scold you. <laughs> um, Christian, what did you think about that press conference that we're talking about? We, you and I were talking about it earlier. You know, I just thought it was unprofessional, um, you know, as an athlete that has, you know, sat on podiums and, and, and gets interviewed, you know, you always appreciate when reporters are respectful and ask you, you know, good quality questions. And uh, sometimes people ask things and they might not have the best question. It's not their fault, but uh, it just seemed like that reporter was just very aggressive. Yeah, yeah, he opened it by scolding the player, the right. United States player, for not pronouncing Iran the right way because he's right. saying Iran. Uh, but and then he went on to ask about what he thought about uh, discrimination in the United States. And uh, this is, a, I, I believe, African-American player. Yeah. And uh, it, it's just one of those things where it's kind of almost uncomfortable. But I will. Oh, he, I, but he was so graceful in his he answer. Was so graceful in his answer. And, oh, I, the and I applaud him. Just wore it out. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, what did he say in short? He said, hey, there is uh, racism and discrimination all over the world. Yep. We are making improvements, and I'm paraphrasing greatly, but <laughs> he put that guy in his place, in my opinion. Yeah, he also by said, the way, he, he, said he was raised by America's, white parents, too. Right. Uh, <laughs> but asking a guy from Iran, asking an American about social injustice in a country? Yeah. Really? Yeah, he easily could, he easily could have flipped the switch and uh, and, and and just gone and attacked the uh, all the human rights violations that go on in, in the country from where that reporter is from, but um, you know took the high road. Uh, but I think that reporter sort of is representative of how the oh my gosh goal oh my. Two zero. How do y'all Uh-oh. see it before two I do? Two zero. U.S. Just oh, they're Damn, calling them offsides. offsides. Oh, never mind. Sorry, oh, there is in real time. Yeah, he did not look offsides to me, but 
Let's see, they're doing the replay. Do they do replay? Yeah, no, it's uh, he was off just by about a half a foot. But um, yeah, USA is probably going to go into halftime here, leading one zero. And like I said, they need to win this game uh, to advance. And uh, to advance to knockout play uh, really would be just a, a, a big step forward uh, for USA men's soccer. And uh, the fact that we uh, played England to a nil-nil tie uh, the other day, and England is arguably the best team in the world, uh, shows you that we have talent. But the, the, the thing is, Iran just wanted a tie. If they, if they tie this game, then they advance. And so they were just sort of leaving all their defenders sort of in, in the back. They were really playing for a tie. But now the whole dynamic of the game has changed because uh, the United States has a 1-0 lead and uh, the Iranians have to be sort of more risky on offense, take more chances, and that's going to open up more opportunities for the United States. And uh, and we saw it here just uh, right before half what looked like a man. Now they're doing it in slow motion and it I don't know. It was close. Now they got special graphics. Yeah, now. close call. I, I was always taught that even is off. Uh, so uh, he he was. You could argue that he that he was offside. But uh, yeah, going into halftime, United States one zero, and this is this is one of the bigger games uh, in uh, U.S. men's uh, soccer history, and I, that's really not an exaggeration uh, because of uh, just who we're playing. And where men's U.S. men's soccer is in the world. Uh, Kristen, did you know that Lars Anderson, the guy sitting right there next to you, played college soccer? I did not know that. Yeah, I, did, I haven't told. I, 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 I was going to get to that, but uh, yeah, Antonio Langham and I have gone back and forth on this. <laughs> and I, t- Langham said that if he is playing goalie. That uh, I would not. I, I told him I, if I was taking penalty kicks, mm-hmm. I could get. I, I could hit ten out of ten. Oh wow! And Langham's like, no way. You won't even hit five. Wow! So uh, we got to get Langham. Does uh, he have prior experience playing goalie or anything? No, but no. it's Antonio Langham. You yeah, know? but he, he's uh, got he, the athletic ability. But <laughs> it, it, playing goalie is not easy. Quarterback. No. Yeah, that, that's quarterback. I imagine those skills would help. Wow. I, I kind of want to wow. see this now. I think we need yeah, to set this need, up. Yeah, we need to get Langham. Uh, we need to get we Langham in it. studio. Send out a smoke signal to get Langham into uh, into Crawford. All right, we'll bring him on. Hey guys, thank you. I hope you have a great afternoon. Bam, we are getting about to get hammered here in Birmingham, ladies and gentlemen. Please keep an eye on the weather. Lars, have a great last day of class. Christian, talk to you tomorrow. And appreciate it. Also, many, many thanks to uh, Jeff Spiegel and to Brian Passink for helping us out on Big Noon Sports.